0: Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put internally at your disposal. Here we are. My internet is working fastly today instead of slowly like it was yesterday which is nice so you guys are in full like frame by frame motion rather than that stop motion thing that you were doing yesterday
1: full res yeah yeah you're looking good today not inflated well i should say your camera is looking good Mm. i don't know i was noticing
0: a couple gray beard hairs this morning as i uh Mm. as i looked at my greasy face in the mirror
1: how What's on you? your hat?
0: This is a Joe Pug logo. It's a bird, oh, which nice. is real. It's not a real bird, but it, birds are real. Um, <laughs> <so> establish that. <laughs> uh, I'm 37. That's pretty old,
2: dude. Mm-hmm.
0: You're a part of the problem. <clears throat> I'm as old as LeBron James. So, Wow. Yeah, and he can still slam dunk a basketball in the NBA. What can you do? <laughs>
1: that is the way a 37 year old (laughs) would say that that. (laughs) he's still slam dunking the basketball okay there was a an old skit uh from saturday night live
0: when michael jordan hosted it with al franken i think it was it stewart smiley he was the therapist or the self-help guy do you remember this he would say i'm good enough i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me It was just like affirmations you said to yourself in the mirror. It was clearly not a manly man. And uh, Michael Jordan was on it and he was helping Michael Jordan, who was like coming in because he was feeling depressed. And he goes, Okay, I want you to repeat after me. I don't need to be a great basketball player. I don't need to be a great basketball player. I don't need to bounce the ball and throw it into the hoop (laughs) or something like that. that's classic and then michael jordan just dead pants repeating it it's classic <laughs> i don't need to bounce the ball and throw it into the hoop <laughs> <clears throat>
1: which of, of course is potentially the only thing he cared about doing in the exactly. whole world
2: <laughs> oh man what's your favorite snl skit ever do you have one I don't know. That's a hard one. I think the probably the one that I watched live that I
0: laughed the hardest at was the cowbell one. Mm. I think the ones that break a little bit, those are the ones that are most memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I do love those.
0: I also really like the Gap Girls, Chris Farley, David Spade, when they're dressed like girls. <laughs> so funny.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Lay off of <I'm> hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I probably quote that one at least weekly. Diet starts Monday.
1: <laughs> Man, Chris Farley is so good in those. Uh, there's one where uh, Will Ferrell is a boss and the skit progresses and it turns out he's actually a crazy psycho leader. Um, and I think by the end of the interview, by the end of the skit, He tridents a guy, like (laughs) stabs him in the office with his trident. And uh, I've always, I can't remember what the name of the skit is, but it's just kind of Will Ferrell. That's classic
0: Will Ferrell. He clearly thinks tridents are funny
1: because that's untethered.
0: Yep. And uh, the boss, evil boss genius is Mugatu from Zoolander. (laughs) Yeah. Man, that is so funny. <laughs> That's another one I quote often. Uh, you know, foamy lattes make me farty and bloated. <laughs> My mistake, you Your mistake, indeed. Your mistake, indeed. Am I going crazy here? I invented the piano key back to life. Blue Steel, La Tigra, they're all the same look. They're all the same look.
1: Man, the, just the way he yells. This is very funny. These big eyes. There's a, there's
0: cool things that on YouTube, sometimes you find like the original audition tape for different uh, cast members on Saturday Night Live and Will Ferrell's. So they do like three characters or something just in an empty, in the empty studio for Saturday Night Live. And they, so nobody's laughing. It's kind of awkward. Um, but he did Harry Carey, which is a great character of his, Uh um, and then he did the <laughs> the dad who's just flipping burgers and talking to a friend while he's yelling oh, yeah. at his kids to get off the shed. <laughs> That's so much like essential Will Ferrell humor, where it's like, "Hey, I'm just saying, get off the shed." Yeah. <laughs> the contrast between the two, which is also a Farley trope, he would he would go from quiet to loud. Mm-hmm. Like, dad, I wish you'd shut your big yapper. <laughs> Man, some of
1: the greats, yeah. Was Do you have a favorite,
2: favorite, Rob? Of SNL, the Um, the Matt Foley skit, The Man mm-hmm. by Down the River, always gets me, but that there's little things in that, too. Of like, um, it's like it's David Spade and, um, oh, who's oh, the gal? Alicia Silverstone, um, and they're just like losing it on the couch mm-hmm. at one point, but yeah, it is it is funnier when they when they break in and, and laugh um, in those skits makes you feel included yeah <laughs> like
0: like i'm part of this just watching this happen with i the do get a big
2: team. kick out of i can't remember the guy's name either but the uh the nick cage skits on weekend update <laughs> which are a little more modern those are very funny
1: i don't think i've seen
2: those those are pretty good he think... <clears clears clears throat> <throat> just there's um shoot i can't remember his name andy samberg Andy Samberg, yeah, he um, impersonates <laughs> yeah. He impersonates Nicholas Cage. You know, he always introduced himself as Nick Cage, and it's just outlandish. I don't, I don't have anything to quote even mm-hmm. on it, but it's very, very funny. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of cast members
1: that are they they're frequently breaking in big skits. <clears throat> I think Jimmy Fallon was kind of known for that. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Jimmy Fallon would break break quite a bit. Um, Dude, which, by the way, I was watching. I'm watching the Band of Brothers series. Jimmy Fallon's in that. He has a cameo. Yeah, that's right. Jimmy Fallon like rolls up in a jeep with a bunch of ammo. Like, yep. is that Jimmy Fallon?
2: Yeah. <laughs> they have Band Brothers of Brothers has a lot of guys. Like,
0: oh, is it Band of Brothers? I'm thinking of.
2: Yeah, there's um, there's another cameo. Tom Hardy has like a like a oh. one scene part as well. He's super oh, cool. young and skinny. Yeah, so you don't know who. James uh, McAvoy is. is in it. Hmm. The dude that
1: plays... Uh, I guess he plays Professor X in a lot of the new X-Men movies, but...
2: Um, I didn't even realize
1: that. Hmm. Yeah, he gets his face blown off.
0: Band of Brothers yeah. is such a good show.
1: Man, that's a great show. Super duper good. Again. Super duper good. Yeah. Um, well, hey, I thought we would pick up... I know we don't usually do this, but pick up where, uh, we left off yesterday because Rob, you didn't, we were talking about being able to foster legit Christian community and Mm -hmm. living a life in communion with other people. And, uh, yeah, I know that was, that was a desire that you had. Um, and it's the summertime for you guys right now, I guess with your, with your Newman work, but how's that been going over there for you? you feel like you've been able to live oh, life and you in guys communion froze can you hear
2: people? me oh shoot Mets! you froze can you hear me
0: did i freeze I can, I can hear both of you guys
2: yeah sorry i just i i lost you there for a second i have you now
0: he just asked if you could uh if you've been living in communion and how that's been going
2: oh yeah um it's i mean imperfectly You know, certainly is how I've been doing at it, but, um, the commitment to it is, it's great. I would say the only, the, the things that I've been noticing as a fruit of it, um, so far would, I don't know, you guys may be able to help me expand on this a little bit, but, um, If you call it like, you know, a commitment to like a Christian life in in communion, I think there's an aspect to that of um, both like simplicity and then trying to do things like very well. So my life feels like less divided, like I've noticed in myself, there's a lot more like, okay, I can just do this thing now. Um, And so I don't feel as like encumbered or overwhelmed with something as dumb as like email, Mm -hmm. because usually I sit down once a day and just do email and like, that's that. Um, and again, that's, I do that really, really imperfectly, but there is like a noticeable difference, um, of I'm not like checking it constantly and, and stuff like that. The other thing too is more basically it, it like it, stuff is just fun when you do it in that way because typically it's it's done it's done well, but also in a way of like you're just confident it is what it should be. And so, honestly, an example of um, get old Bistron coming down in November to give a little talk on campus. This is like a tangible example of it, and it's like man feel pretty organized on it, um, kind of like the idea behind it. And I've, I've noticed this in myself of like, you know, I'm confident you're going to give like some great insights, you know, and, and give like a good talk. But the thing itself is going to be good. And I really don't care like how many people show up mm-hmm. or anything like that, because if two people show up It's going to be worth it for them to show up, which makes it like very fun and free. Mm -hmm. So those are my reflections. I love that as a, uh, as a takeaway,
0: um, that like when you're doing it, when you're living like this, the outcome is not the primary like measure of success, but rather that this, this was a good thing in and of itself. That Me going down to visit you in November and giving a talk, regardless if it makes a million converts or all it is is two dudes hanging out, like it seems to be an invitation from God. It's a good, and uh, there's time to do it in our schedules and stuff. It's part of our apostolate. It's part of our mission, but it's focusing on the relationship as a the end, and then the mission part flows out of it rather than... Yeah, even something simple like email is so it's so mission oriented because it's like, I have to do this. These people are waiting a response or or whatever. And so it's just pulling us all the time away from relationship. And that's why, honestly, not to always make it about the dumb phone, but that has been such a huge boon for me to not be connected to those things that pull me out of communion 24 hours a day, but to just like have to go intentionally look at email. Uh, because it's a necessary evil, um, not because it's like the main way that I work. Even though I do spend a lot of time on it, um, yeah. But if it's, it's like uh, that line from Father Brown: happiness is one of those strange birds. To bring up birds again, you you don't hit it by aiming at it. Um, like fruitfulness in your mission, success, and all that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by trying to be successful. Um, but rather trying to be fruitful or remaining in Jesus and with his friends. And so I like that.
1: Yeah, it's very cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, Oh, go ahead.
1: No, 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 go on, go on.
2: No, I mean other, other things. And again, this is just, you know, um, stuff I've noticed, um, in it but i remember it's a notion that i've always really liked um and i don't know who might have been connor on the cast here that kind of dubbed the phrase but just like letting the day die as Mm -hmm. well um yeah i mean that's been that's been great even last night was was a good um example of that like kind of got done at the office and um and didn't have much much going on just kind of like had left the the evening uh free and he needed definitely kind of needed an introverted um night but also needed to get a few things done like laundry wise and like life wise and just honestly super super enjoyable evening like did not feel disconnected from even though i like cut my hair and did laundry and like had the cardinals on it, like, I don't know. I would, I would have said this before. It's a different felt experience though of like, man, that was not like disconnected in any way from my life as a priest. That was Mm -hmm. just, um, like Mm. just like a good, good evening. And then like the day died and get to get up and talk to you guys this morning, which I was very excited about. Mm hmm.
1: And that's great. <clears throat> that connectedness, that's very very cool. So that was the thing that they would talk about a bunch in seminary was um like even the times when you're going to rest or you're not in your work hours, that that's all still a part of that the priestly life. But it's not always felt or seen that way. Like I'm I'm coming out and now I can take off my hat, my priestly hat and have have mic time. But when those two things are actually integrated, um, I don't know if I have really been able to feel that before. Um, that, that's really cool to feel that your time is also priestly time and to actually see the connection between the two. That's, that's, that's very cool. Something that's... Um
0: helping me and guiding me a little bit is, uh, something from this Barry and Conley book that we're reading for IPF on spiritual direction. Um, and I can't remember the full context of the phrase, but the idea was basically like the point of spiritual direction as of all of life is the enjoyment of God. Um, not this, the point of spiritual direction in other words is not to like solve the puzzle of your life or figure out your vocation or anything like that. It's not some like sub end, kind of like what we're talking about with the dinner and the and the talk and stuff it's not like oh we do that because it'll create these converts and that's the ultimate goal of my life but rather the goal of my life is to be in communion and to enjoy god and this is the way he's given me to do it and even our mission like i think about this with the apostles getting their mission like i'm going to make you fishers of men okay leave your boats behind it's not like i need i need people you know like sometimes we do with, with praying for vocations or or focus missionaries or whatever recruitment for, for mission. It's like, oh my gosh, we need missionaries. You know, we need priests. Um, and really like my experience of vocation is that I needed this. <laughs> like if I didn't have this mission, this vocation, I would not have been drawn into the kind of connectedness you're talking about that even when I'm cutting my hair and doing my laundry, I'm a priest, i I belong to Jesus. You know, like that's the point of my life, no matter what I'm doing. Um, so. The enjoyment of God and not feeling like I need to do anything but that, you know, and the thing about God is that he always tells you the truth. And so like if you're just sitting there eating ice cream, watching Blade Runner 2049, maybe he says he wants you to do that with him every once in a while, you know, um, and usually he wants to do you to do that in communion. Like I watched it with Father Tim last night uh, and we made salmon on the grill and hung out and talked and it was like a moment of communion. But I could do easily do that same thing and just fall into the solipsism of like feeding myself, not feeling connected. And that same night that you just described watching the Cardinals, I've had those nights where I do feel very much connected and very much inconvenient. And those same co- nights where I feel like super lonely, super disconnected, restless, don't know what I want. Um, and it's it's a very subtle internal reality, but it's like, am I in relationship right now or am I not? You know, mm-hmm. Um, is, is what I'm doing like conducive to enjoying being God's friend, or is it me like trying to work for some end, figure something out, do something so that I can then later like bring it to God and into relationship. Um, it's a subtle difference, but it makes a huge difference practically, I think.
1: Yeah, it makes me think, oh, it makes me think that, uh, so like, as I've been kind of going through this transition up here and thing, the schedule is just very sporadic and really, really different. Um, I had direction yesterday with Father Walter and like one of the things that we kept coming back to was um, <clears throat> like, I don't always know what my days are going to look like practically speaking, but I, the things that have brought me peace and joy and freedom is like returning to keeping the first things first. And so regardless of what the day actually looks like, it has, I have to constantly return back to like holy hour and celebrate mass. That's gotta be the bread and the butter that that's Jesus right there. And I don't even know what those holy hours look like or like what that time of prayer is going to look like, but the freedom has come where it's like, I don't have to make that up. I don't have to create that. I just have to come back to him. And then from that place of communion there, then like whatever spins out of it, whatever comes out of it is what the Lord intends. Um, but many times, like I try to get the, I try to create it so that I can create it for God. You know, I kind of get it backwards. Um, but it's just been this really simple invitation till like I just come back to the Lord and the ups and the downs. And like, he's going to be the one that creates the transition and that makes what he wants to make, you know, and then I'm not on for that, but I'm just on to come back to the Lord. So it's that communion actually starts right there for me. Anyways, that it, it does have to start with the Lord, but keeping the first things first. It's like just return back to Jesus and then whatever's gonna happen will happen. Right. Yeah. And, and feeling like it, a lot of confidence and peace around
2: that. No, that's good, man. And even there there's like a there's a stabilizing aspect to that. Um and I have found that similar to what you were saying, Bisque, too, in that light of like the the internal disposition there like is super subtle, but it makes all the difference. Um and I'm going on this next week. I'll be on um, vacation with my family, which will be super fun. And so we have some cabins and then a big Airbnb place. And um, like one of the things I'm going to take the stuff and say mass every day, you know, which is awesome. And um, this is I'm sure like it sounds like an uninspiring thing in, in many ways because it's, it's so small. But like one of the things that's going to be different like this year on a vacation with everybody and like the nieces and nephews is that in the past, <clears throat> and it's because I'm super thankful like my siblings are really faithful and are raising their kids in the faith and um are pumped about like me being a priest and, and all of that. So they love to like have mass, daily mass when we're together. But it's just it it becomes this thing of like um okay, like, we yeah, we're going to have mass sometime today. And then because there's so many like moving pieces and Mm. kids involved and who's hungry when and everything like that, it can very quickly become like, okay. Like has no one eaten in the last 50 minutes? Like let's say mass really quick and like, let's just, okay, get this. Come on. (laughs) Like, let's go. Um, and whereas like this year I'm, I just, I'm saying like, hey, I'm going to say mass at 630 every morning in my cabin or like in my room and like come like any of the kids that are up or anything like like that, like it's just going to be there. But like some days, like certainly not everybody's going to be there, you know, and everything like that. But it's like, hey, this is this stabilizing thing Mm -hmm. that allows me to put it actually, even though it's early, like as the center of my day. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'm going to form the day around that as opposed to forming, like, mass around the day. Right.
0: Like, super little. It's very sacramental of what we're talking about. It's putting first things first.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, but like, everything be ordered around that. But even as simple as that is, like, just the freedom to say, like, no, like, this is when I'm doing it. This is when mm-hmm. I'm celebrating mass every day. Like, that actually has... I have found, like it took an interior freedom that I didn't have before, mm-hmm. to say that.
1: Right. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I definitely feel that. Being a priest to your family is kind of an interesting animal because that does take a lot of interior freedom, and that comes from a confidence of like being told by God deeply that you're a priest <clears throat> when you're saying mass in your parish with all the people who call you father, or when you're by yourself in your house, folding laundry, you are a priest, you know? Um, but I will say like when I first got ordained, it was like putting a costume on every day and people calling you father. It was like not natural yet because it wasn't, it wasn't deeply, um, subjectively, objectively, of course I was a priest from the moment of my ordination, but, um, subjectively you don't, you're not like living from that place all the time yet. You're you're still like new to the identity. It's probably like newlyweds or new parents. Um, but especially with your family, who's known you since you were a little kid pooping in your pants for them to think of you as another Christ or the the pontifex between heaven and earth at this moment of the sacred synaxis, it's just like, no, that's Rob and he wants to do mass, which is nice, but we just, the kids just had lucky charm, so we can't do it. You know, so just having the confidence to say, like, "Okay, I'm doing this at this time and those who want to come, it's like, this is my little mission for the week on vacation. Um, I'm still a priest, even though I'm on vacation, and even though I'm with my family. I think that's beautiful, dude.
1: Yeah, see, and you also, you have the internal disposition and the external discipline to make it happen. Yeah. because anytime that I try to do that on vacation with the family, it's like, <laughs> you know, anytime before... let 9.30. Like 9.30, 9.30 is going to be great. 9.30 will be fine. It's like you you really have to do it before like 7.30 mm-hmm. or else people are out there making breakfast. They're, they're getting their day going. Yep. And it's like... And <clears> I
2: also really... That's another part of like... I guess the desires in me too of like coffee and breakfast. That's my favorite part of the day, man. Oh Mm -hmm. man. That's that's especially with everybody there. I'm I'm not missing that. And I love that. You got to get up and do it.
1: (laughs) I love that. But that's the deal. It's like I could have all the internal disposition in the world, but then I'm going to be like, Hey, when I wake up first thing in the morning, I'm going to celebrate mass at like, 10 when I wake up. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're a bum. You're a bum. I'm like, yeah, I'm on vacation, man. You this know? explains why you gravitate to the army. Oh, yeah. You need the <laughs> discipline, the external. Absolutely. Absolutely. All these different groups in my life, in my family included, my father, my mom, have created and and provide a lot of external structure mm-hmm. that I'm not... I don't naturally tend towards, but that I I really thrive when that stuff is given. Like even in seminary, structure my life for me, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Reign in my freedom now. Tell me where I need to be and what I need to be wearing. If I need to be wearing anything (laughs) and I'll show up and jam, I'll do it. Right. (laughs)
0: That's funny. So overall, yeah. it's been going well. Juice?
2: Oh, yeah, man. It's, um, I mean, it's nice. Summer is a slower pace as well because there's not as much mm-hmm. um, going on. And, um, yes, but the commitment to it has been tangibly fruitful. <clears throat> That's a good title, Megan. FYI, tangibly, tangibly fruitful. fruitful. Mm. Um And it's also, but it's just like it's totally imperfect how how I live it, and constantly there's just like the temptation knocking on the door of like, nope, got to be doing more. Like you know, we gotta like plan this Uh and do this, and always, always it's there. Activism, man, it's constant. Hmm. I suspect that is true
0: in every walk of life. Yeah, I would guess so too. Um, one of my fears about myself is that I will, or people I love, which is even more because I can't control them, is as you get old, you know, you can do less and less stuff. And as you get sick, you are more and more limited and like gracefully letting, if your life is about the stuff you do. Um, whether your leisure activities or your productive, um, missional stuff, my work, my family, my priesthood, et cetera, then as those things you taken away from you and you don't have the, just like pure enjoyment of God through prayer and relationships and stuff, um, that is an extra bad cross or extra hard thing to carry. Um, and it's not even a cross. It's more just like this, my hand is stuck in the vending machine cause I won't let go of the. The coke that I'm trying to steal. Ugh, like Homer. In there. You know, um, <laughs> it's like simply... L- Was there this morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that is a funny image from The Simpsons, but I do think it it hits something true. Um, yeah, man. But like these, these priests and stuff that can retire and remain very much. Uh, I, I, I know I'm thinking of a priest in particular. Who I know well, who is retired and still struggles with it, and talks about how it's hard to kind of feel like your voice doesn't matter anymore. You're not the pastor; you're just kind of coming in and helping and stuff. But uh, he remains plugged in and remains in communion with with guys his age, who we you know, and guys my age, and uh, young people, you know, spiritual directing them and and stuff like that. Like it's not not just giving in to this on we but rather, um, staying a man of communion, which is, you can do that even if you have Alzheimer's, I suspect, you know, and can't string a sentence together. You can still be in communion hmm. by, ne- by definition, you're a creature of God who is love. Um, so that there's a Lacordaire quote that, um, I wrote down. It's from the priest is not his own Fulton Sheen. That's where I got it anyway. Um, but Lacordaire says at some point you enjoy only souls, Um, like you can't get up on top of mountains and look at beautiful landscapes anymore, you know, touch God in these, in these ways, but you can always enjoy souls.
2: You can always love. That is beautiful. And there's something to that. Um, yeah, if that's the long view in a way on it of, um, like that type of growth of heart and being, um, Along the way, man, when you're plugged into that, it allows you to, like, enjoy everything else around you, like, that you're still able to. Um, mm-hmm. You guys will like this, actually. We should have do a, a shout-out to Nathan Thompson, who is a big fan of, of the cast. Um, he, he was the one that wrote the letter. Yeah, he wrote and, the great letter. Great letter. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, awesome family. And... Um, just a super swift guy. So him and I um, read uh, Levering's book, The Abuse of Conscience. And then we went to the Cardinals game a few nights ago um, to like talk about it. And it was great. And, (laughs) uh, but it was so cool. I was like, man, in so many ways, it's, it's even like, it's just so fun to, and this, this may be unique to the state of life of, of a priest um today i don't know no, you could push it in other ways but like it's so fun to live like on the generosity of others like not in a like a you know parasitical way but like somebody had given me we were going to go out to lunch nathan and i and like the week before um a cool guy at the parish had given me these like really good Cardinals tickets. So we were front row in the outfield, like right by the foul pole. Oh, um, fun. And so I just texted him like, Hey, you want to call an audible and, and catch the game and all of that. And so we just like caught a night of baseball and we're talking like, um, levering and Hooter and, um, baseball, like all mixed in in between and just like a super enjoyable evening. Anyway, mm-hmm. so shout out to Nathan, but um <clears throat> like so good, you know, and that took a whole evening, you know, I had to kind of like block out like all this time to do it, but I found it to be like very life-giving and worth it.
1: Hmm.
2: That's perfect, dude. That's a perfect example.
1: Yeah, that sounds very cool. Yeah. Cuz the thing is if you get that first thing first things first, you you put the first things first. You get that starting point. I that that that's probably not even the right way to say it. If you're receiving from the Lord, that's your that's your your place of communion, which is God being God, being the creator, and us being the creature, then you can receive everything as a gift. And yeah. then your well, your day and all these different events and even your ministry, like all that stuff is now a gift. Which is a totally different way to go about the experience of life.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm curious to this, Mets, of like, <clears throat> yeah, because the, at least the experience of it can be, this is what I'll fall into anyway, with the first things, first things, which I, I really like, like, but I will fall into a lot of times like, oh, I have to make sure that the first things are first. And once I do that, I'm able mm-hmm. to receive from God, mm-hmm. like versus like, no, if I'm allowing myself to receive from God, it's, it's easier and easier to make sure the first things are first.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: You know, it's subtle. And I think that's what you're saying. But like, I don't, um, that's just something I have to watch a lot of like, not falling into, Okay something's off like i just gotta i just gotta do it and figure out how to you know figure out how to receive here right father brian welter had a had an
0: image he used to use of the chair um is the place like this chair is my place of communion with god where i'm in a the proper like true relationship of creature to creator i'm receiving my being receiving everything from him i'm not doing anything for him because I can't ontologically, it would be, it's absurd to think that God needs anything from me. He's infinite, I'm contingent. So here is where like I'm living the truth. Um, And then throughout my day, like I can be doing that during my holy hour, I can be doing that at mass, but I can also be doing that while I'm doing email or sitting in spiritual direction with somebody or whatever, like I'm in the place of communion. I'm not doing anything uh, apart from him that i later bring to him and are like, see God, I did this thing for you, but rather, even this, where I'm like working or, or active, I'm still receptive. Um, which is, it's an art. It's not, and even that, it's like you can kind of get meta and be like, "Oh, well, I'm not being receptive enough. I need to be more receptive." Like, the the nice thing in God's providence that governing everything is that, like, even when we resist this, we're still receiving our being. We just not, we just don't know it. Yeah. And we're making our life unnecessarily complicated, and boring, and and sad. But we can always, in every moment, just go back into the reality of like, I'm, I'm in the chair. And then he sees these, these things that distract us and we, a bit, depending on our personalities and our stories, like different things are easier to pull us out of the chair. You know, like this yeah. person needs me and I need to do something to fix this problem or, um, this thing really hurts my feelings and I get sad and I go and mope about it or, or whatever and I get out of the chair. But and where the analogy limps is that like actually us getting a quote out of the chair isn't really real because the chair follows us. And we're just like, we're like, it's uh, a
1: wheelchair. It's a wheelchair. It's <laughs> That's wheelchair. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yes. Actually, Professor you know what? They X. have those.
0: They have those um, golf uh, push carts that follow you. Like you have a little sensor that you carry in your pocket. Have you ever seen That's these on true. the golf course? I, oh, I've seen
1: those I on the golf it. course and in the airports too.
0: They're creepy. It looks like this robot dog it, it, following you. Do they have bus.
1: clubs that make the ball go straight? <laughs> they should. Nope. Okay. No, and it's true because even um, like. Even in talking about it, there's a temptation to say, uh, sort of like what you just articulated, Connor, is that, okay, I've identified that I'm not receiving. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make my mission form my, my own identity. I'm trying to create myself and create my own life. Mm -hmm. I need to stop and I need to start receiving. And so even, even that is like, I need to do this. And there is something like but but in God's grace, he finds these ways to open us up to to returning to being receptive. So even like the art of putting first things first is really God like conditioning and loving our hearts to be more and more open to like constant receptivity Mm -hmm. that even that putting first things first that's not ours. That's not us. Right. <clears throat> like it's the Lord that cultivates and creates that in us. Um, I've I've always found there's a, it was on the Deacon Chapel.
0: At, mm-hmm. at Caritas Mundelein. Christi Urgentness.
1: Caritas Christi Urgentness. The yeah, love, love of that, Christ right. moves us forward. It, it urges us forward. And I've always returned back to that as like, Paul, the the greatest missionary in the history of the church, like the super doer, the super apostle, the super sent, that was his starting point. Mm-hmm. Caritas Christi, like the love of Christ. And that's so cool. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah. The great missionary, that's where he began in communion. Mm-hmm.
2: That's where he stayed. You guys want to call it
0: there?
1: Yeah. Good stuff. Dude, hold on. I'll just finish with this. When I was in college, somehow we got our hands on a an electric. It wasn't a wheelchair. But like it was a rascal. It was like supermarket scooters. Yeah, like a rascal. Oh man. And we would it would just sit in our first floor of the of our college house and people <laughs> would just ram that thing <laughs> into a bunch of walls. <laughs> we'll say late nights on Friday and Saturdays. <clears throat> there were the rascal got a lot of use. Yes, you got a lot of use. It was very funny. you Just imagine, like four or five college guys, and they're just rolling around in these electric. You had multiples, in more than one. We would take turns <laughs> slash ride on it together. Right, ride right on the pegs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. It was so funny.
0: All right. Later, dudes. See ya.
2: Follow Three Dogs North on Instagram. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Ducks. Good girl.